So there, there's such a low bar for podcasts these days. I can't even believe we're able to... Oh, crap. We're recording. Oh, hey. Hi, this is Clint in hot and sticky Roanoke, Virginia. And I'm Chad coming to you from rainy Astoria, Oregon. And this is our podcast all about teaching. Schooled ya. Brought to you by two middle-aged teacher's dads and hipster doofuses who talk across the country about our combined 30-plus years of education experiences. It's the podcast made by teachers for teachers. And everyone else. We hope you find it as enjoyable as spending time with a puppy. As long as the puppy doesn't pee on anything, then if they do, we hope you like us more. (laughs) Indeed. So Clint, I have a problem. Yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Ice, ice, baby. Why, why, why are you attempting to rap? Do you want to hear my problem or not? Uh, yeah, sorry. Sure, what's up? Well, it's not so much as a problem as an unanswerable question I have. No questions are unanswerable. We're men. We're white, straight, middle-aged men. We know everything. We have answers no matter how ill-informed. What do you need, my fashionable friend? Uh, I can't decide what time of day is best for my planning, or, or some people call it a prep period. It's really bumming me out, man. That's a tough one. Well, I got an idea. How about we just set a five-minute timer, and we'll list out all the different possibilities, and we'll just argue about it until the buzzer goes off, and and then we'll know the answer. Does that sound good? Yeah, I love it. So let's make it happen. All right. The timer starts now. Well, let me start here. I have had a first period prep before. I haven't had it for years. The disadvantages that I see to that is definitely that once your prep is over, you have a full day of teaching. Exactly. But it is nice because you don't have to get there so early in the morning because you know you've got some time there at the beginning to get yourself all set up and ready to go. So that can be an advantage. I think it also depends on like your own lifestyle. Like for me, that would definitely be helpful having three kids and trying to help them get out of the house in the morning and not having to worry about getting there quite as early. But for others, uh, maybe not so much. Although those people that are heavy drinkers, they probably need that morning (laughs) time to get unhung over. Oh, I thought you were going to say to have a few drinks. Oh, that could be it too. (laughs) A little hair of the dog to get you through the day. Don't do that. We'll flip it on the other side. What about the end of the day? So actually I am living uh, some people's prep dream this semester with my prep being the last thing of the day. Ooh. Advantages, obviously uh, you get through the day and then you kind of have this moment to take a deep breath and kind of decompress earlier in the day than you would after school. It's like an early release every single day. That's kind of nice. And so far I'm loving it. The disadvantage, because I've had this before in my teaching career, is a lot of times it's difficult to be as productive. I feel like my brain is totally mush by the end of the day and I really can't get anything accomplished. Right. And and really you have to take advantage of all of that time if you want to, you know, make it worth your while and alleviate some of the stress throughout the day. And so if you don't do it in the afternoon, then you have to come back in and you basically have to start all over. Let's talk about before or after lunch. How do you feel about a before lunch prep? I enjoy the extended time. So I guess this would kind of answer before or after lunch because you can, you know, you have your prep period and then you have a 40 or 30 minute lunch tacked onto that. So you have that big block, but man, it's really hard to get back into the swing of things after such a long amount of time not teaching. At my school, it's a little different because one of our class periods is interrupted by lunch. Like you have some class, then you go to lunch, and then you come back to class. And I gotta say, I really miss the 30-minute, 35-minute, 40-minute lunch. I get 25 minutes to scarf my food, and I'm I'm back to work. Man, that must go fast. Yeah, it does. It does. But that means if you have a prep during the lunch block, you have 
quite a long amount of time to get things done, you kind of have an advantage over some of the other teachers. So that can be really helpful. However, I would find myself, because we have multiple lunch blocks, probably wasting a lot of time just walking around and talking to people who are on their lunch break because I'm a social butterfly. <laughs> so I don't really like it before lunch as much for some of those reasons or during that lunch block. But I'm going to say my favorite is when it is right after lunch. I like that advantage of getting to digest a little bit and then process what you need to do for that last little bit of the end of the day. It kind of gives me a chance to recharge and get going. Now, I want to bring this up too, uh, Clint. I mean, I think we've talked about kind of the different time frames, but there's a couple other factors that really play into a good prep. One of them is how that prep time falls within your schedule of classes. So for example, if you have a prep between two similar classes, it doesn't help you out as much because you've already had to teach that class once. And then having the prep time in between it, you're not necessarily taking advantage of that time to prep for the next class. So sometimes you have to think like a day or two ahead, which is sometimes just really difficult for me to do. You have to be really organized in order to make your prep work well for you, uh, which I am not. I'm just not a very organized person, so that doesn't that doesn't work out. Obviously, on the flip side, if you have a prep right before like a single class that you teach yes. or a class that you know requires a little bit more planning, it's really nice to be able to come in during the day and say, I don't need to worry about that right now. I have that prep time right before I teach that class. I'll deal with it then. One more thing too, and I, I know you and I have kind of reaped these benefits before, but having the prep a prep at the same time as a, as a colleague that you enjoy having conversations with can be a, a blessing and a curse. Yes. It's nice for collaboration. Yeah. It's terrible for getting anything done. <laughs> Absolutely. I've kind of thrown in my two cents. I think that it's the right after lunch prep. What's your favorite? Clint, I'm going to have to go with the end of the day. All right. So we like it more in the afternoon time. Yes. That is the answer. So everyone out there trying to figure it out, afternoon. We found the right answer. We are correct because we are men. Uh, of course we're kidding. Yeah. Our position in society as middle-aged white dudes is no indication that we know anything other than how to make a passably decent podcast. <laughs> but we're pretty sure we're right on this one. Just trust us. And now a word from our sponsor, Perfect Pins. Did you know a recent study found that 99% of office workers were dissatisfied with their current writing implement? Why is it so hard to find the right pen? They're either too thick or too thin, they smear or smudge, won't write upside down, or just run out of ink too quickly. It seems when you find a pen that can write on any surface, it doesn't come in the color you want, or the pen that writes in the rain bleeds through every paper you write on. Well, the people at Hawkins National Laboratory have a solution for you. Yep, the perfect pen. The first ink-based writing instrument in the world that meets every one of your needs. Do you prefer a thick line or a thin line? We do that. Do you want your pen to write in the dark, upside down, in the pouring rain? Yes, yes, and yes. The perfect pen is permanent, writes on any surface in any color, and easily washes out of clothes. Don't worry, lefties. The perfect pen will never smear or smudge and is also completely erasable. How can we make a pen that pretty much does everything you want? even if those things seem to contradict each other? Well, if we told you, we'd have to kill you. Seriously, we can't tell you. So never buy another pen off the shelf again. Reach for the perfect pen and find pure writing bliss. The perfect pen, it's perfect. Welcome back. For our second segment of the show, we wanted to talk about hacking. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how to do that. I only use my computer for its intended purposes, word processing and enhancing my personal brand on Instagram. Oh, no, 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 no. Not computer hacking, life hacking. Oh. Or more specifically, teacher life hacking. Oh, yeah, like little tricks, you know, to make a teacher's life easier, 
right? That's that's more my style. I figured you love style. <laughs> my first hack is really simple, and it does involve computers. Uh, that is just unsubscribing to all spam email. As soon as it comes in, I immediately find the unsubscribe button and click it off. I only started doing that this year, and it has changed my life. It is so nice to not have to sort through all the dumb spam all the time. Love it. That's a good one. So mine here is batch printing. Now, this was a suggestion from a colleague, but what she does is uh, sometimes it's really hard to find time for an open space for a copy machine. So she plans all her printing the week in advance, and she goes in and does all her printing at one time, or copying, I guess I should say, at one time, and gets it done. Oh, that's a good idea. Something else that I like to do is having students correct assignments, especially like reading quizzes or, or whatever else. I put colored pencils out. They each get a colored pencil. They switch their stuff, and then they grade those things for each other, and it makes it go a lot faster. Kind of along those same lines, a lot of times I will do team quizzes. In our classes, we do a lot of collaborative work anyway, and so what I do is every kid gets a quiz. Uh, I go to each group. I roll a die, which allows me to select one quiz from the group, and I grade that for everyone in, in the group, and, and it it adds to the collaboration, but it also reduces my grading by half, depending on the size of the groups or, or even more. Uh, one of the things I like to do also with quizzes and grading is I use them more as a formative assessment than as a summative assessment. So I make it so that sometimes they don't get graded. And I've done that in a variety of ways. One way is I have some magnetic darts and I just draw a target on the uh, whiteboard and I have a kid volunteer. You grade it, you don't grade it, or everyone gets 100%. Um, so I've done that before. I have a magic eight ball and sometimes we do do a little magic eight ball seance and figure out whether or not we're going to grade it. And I also have an enormous coin that I like to flip sometimes just to kind of keep it up in the air, but also reduce how much my, my grading load is. And kids kind of like that too. Yeah, they do. They get really excited. Yeah. The randomness of it. This may seem obvious uh, to a lot of people, but I think it's important to, and, and most systems have this ability now, but make sure that you are syncing your inbox with your calendar. You know, we use Google docs at our school and make sure those are all synced together so that you're not missing IEP meetings and, and, and other important things things like that. Speaking of syncing, I'm at a school where Google Docs doesn't exist, but I like using Google stuff. So it doesn't really apply as much to me. I have a personal account that I use for school, like a separate account, and create all my work on there. However, if somebody had a school account, if someday you leave, if you've created all of your work on that school Google account, it will all disappear. So something that I recently saw on Twitter was that you should make a uh, personal Google account and then share everything that you make into your school one. And that way you still have access to it if you ever leave. That's brilliant. Actually, when I went into administration, I lost a bunch of my teaching stuff and I'm sad. Yeah. When I moved out here, I had to download it all into Word and then re-uploaded it. And it was really frustrating. I wish I would have known that four years ago. One huge one for me is is using colored paper to help stay organized and, and not to be wasteful with it. But there's a lot of things that my kids use, my students use that it's so much easier to say, pick up the yellow sheet or don't forget, you got to turn in the pink sheet or or even just separating different like exams. It's really helpful for me to, to use colored paper. It's kind of limited in our school, so we have to be careful about it, but um, I try to use it as much as I can. Yeah, I think using that for things that students have to hang on to for a long period of time can really, really help. If you, all you have to do is say, get out your yellow sheet instead of explaining what the actual assignment is. That just makes it faster for them. Going along with that, I teach freshmen primarily right now and they 
they are irresponsible. They're not very good at keeping track of things. In fact, I'm pretty irresponsible. I have a hard time keeping track of things. So one of the things that I have started doing is having freshman folders where I just have a stack of folders in the back of the room. They're all organized by the different class period and I can just pull those out and have them grab their stuff and then when they're working on an assignment, when they're done with it, they can just stick it inside there and then I just flip through all the folders and check grades and that makes it a little easier for me and easier for them. Even if they're absent on the day when it's turned in, it's still in their folder so that if it's a long-term project, whatever they have done, I can still assess. The other nice thing about having those folders is you can use them as a seating chart. You can just put the folders out in the desks wherever you want them to be and find your folder. That's where you're sitting today. It's just easy to flip around a, a seating chart almost instantly. Kind of along the same line as the folders, I have a class that is an algebra support class. So it's kind of a, a st study help class for students in, in my other algebra classes. And it's essentially graded on participation and effort for each day. And so one thing I've done with their folders is they also evaluate themselves on a daily basis and essentially give themselves their grade. I obviously check it to make sure that they're, you know, being honest and, and we have conversations if we need to, but they're doing a lot of the work for their grading and even calculating it at the end of each week and things like that. And that saves a lot of time. A lot of these are about keeping up on grading because grading is just a pain. It's a booger. Another one that I just thought of is sometimes I will walk around with a clipboard with everybody's name while they are working. And if it's an assignment where it's more of a check to see that they did it instead of a check to make sure that everything was 100% right because it's you know sometimes you have those assignments where it's the process that matters and if you have that you can walk around and actually assess them during the class period you can still answer questions for students and and all of that and if you don't get to some people you still have their assignments turned in but it does make it easy to check on things and, and just make sure that everything is organized that way it's a lot faster to put it in that way I do stamp sheets rather than having kids turn in work they keep the work I want them to keep the work because it's important for them to have it not me and then at the end of each week they just turn in a little half sheet and it just helps me reduce the clutter on my desk because I know it's a little bit difficult for you as an English teacher that you know you got to take papers and stuff but if I can have less turned in stuff from kids on my desk it's probably better well and those stamps are actually really helpful I use I do something similar especially with notes uh, it's a way to make sure that kids are taking the notes that they need to take without having to collect them and they're excited to get the stamp you don't even have to, it doesn't even have to be part of a grade. They just want the stamp or a sticker or something. So it gives them a little bit of external motivation and it costs you nothing. So it, it's a nice way to do it. One that I discovered last year that helps me out a ton is just keeping my, my inbox and my email uh, clean is you can set it up so that all red emails drop to a different section. They don't disappear. They're just in a lower part of the screen and all unread emails stay at the top. I don't know if this is obvious for everyone else and I'm just like really far behind, but that helps me a ton because all I get when I open up my email is everything that's been unread so far. And then if the, I want to search through things that have been read, it's just right below there. But it really helps me just stay on top of emails and not miss anything. Yeah, that's a good idea because sometimes you can miss something and it will get buried down in the bottom of stuff and you'll go back and be like, oh, this is like six pages ago. I have Outlook at my school and there's a little button off to the side that you can click unread and it will pop all of those unread ones up to the top. And then if you unclick it, it goes back to chronological. Just every day checking that and making sure that you've kind of got that little box as zero is, is helpful. Another little hack for working with kids is that at least high school students really want a lot of autonomy. They want to be able to make choices, but they're not very good at making choices. And so giving students options on projects, different ways to approach the same assignment, it takes very little of your time and it makes it a lot easier because they feel a little bit more of a vested interest in that they have made this choice and now they can go with it instead of everyone doing the same thing and you're going to probably get better results yeah 
And it's going to be a lot less boring because there's nothing worse than assigning one essay. I don't know. Maybe there's other things worse, like, I don't know, splinters under your fingernails. But <laughs> it sucks when you assign an, a like on a test or something and everyone had to respond to the same thing to keep reading the same thing over and over and over again. Giving some options breaks up the monotony for you. Kind of on a personal mental health level, or at least the organizational level personally, it's really helpful to package your snacks or your lunches for the week if you can like in in batches and and something that you can bring uh throughout an entire week so for example like if you uh I don't know. You're probably going to make fun of me for this. If you like to bring, I don't know, vegetables or something to, to snack on, instead of bringing one little baggie a day, uh, bring the entire week's worth and, and leave them in the school fridge or if you have a fridge in your room. Just doing things all in one group rather than trying to do it five times during the week can help you out a ton. I don't do that as much, but I definitely try to make more food than necessary the night before, so that way I always have leftovers because I tend to prefer a nice hot meal for my lunch. feels more satisfying than just a sandwich. You got any others? Yeah, I got, I got one. One more. Um, this was a suggestion because I, I know as high school teachers, sometimes uh, some of our things are more high school teacher centric. But this was a suggestion I had from my lovely mother, who was an elementary teacher for many years. And she said that she assigned students a number at the beginning of the year and they learned that number was theirs. And so much of the organizational things that they did, instead of being based on their name, uh, you know, my, my mom just thought of everyone as a number. It's much uh, like prison. <laughs> no, but, but it, you know, with, with first graders, you know, it, it made things a lot simpler in terms of like just organizational things. She said she always had a set of folders and they just had numbers on them. The kids could file their own stuff in the folders. She said the other kids could even file other kids' things in folders because not only would they put their name on every paper, but they would also put their number on it. She said, you know, things like lining up at the door or creating other systems, like just like when you did show and tell and everything. It was all based on this number system and kids knew what their number was and and so there was a lot that you could kind of expand using that and then on top of it which i thought was pretty cool she said she didn't have to redo folders every year uh because that's what i was just thinking yeah she just had the numbered folders and next next year's group of kids came along they got their own numbers and just got to start from there so i thought that was a really great idea for younger kids one of the things that I remember my my mom and dad doing is having like little popsicle sticks or little uh, keychain cards with numbers on them, and they would draw them out of the hat for a job that they needed to be done or volunteer an answer or whatever. And just having numbers on there, it, you can reuse them over and over and over again, like you said, with the folders. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a good idea. It doesn't work so well with 150 kids that you got in high school, but it works great for elementary. And I, I would guess it wouldn't take long to know each kid's number as, as the teacher to learn each kid's number pretty quickly. One final one for me is when you are having your planning period, like we discussed at the beginning, if you have a friend that is always hanging out with you, it can be hard to get anything done. Something that I have discovered is that if you just turn your lights off and sit somewhere where no one can see you, they peek in your door and they go, oh, nobody's there and they move on and you don't get bothered so much and you get stuff done. Just those lights off is a good cue to people like, hey, he's busy. I don't think you need to feel bad about that or feel like you're being rude. I, I think an open door with lights on is is kind of unfortunately an open invitation for people to pop in. Uh, I think everyone respects that. I certainly don't knock on doors and, and try to, un, you know, try to pound on doors when, when the lights are off in there. So absolutely. Hey, what teaching hacks do you have? Let us know by posting on our Facebook page or Twitter at School Japod. And now another word from Perfect Pens. Hi, this is Clint Hill from the hit podcast Schoolja. As a teacher, it is annoying having to go through so many pens and markers throughout the day. Dry erase for the whiteboard, red for correcting, blue for signatures, and permanent for posters. Every one of them uses a different ink, is a different size, and is easily lost. 
pens are just the worst. Well, they used to be. Recently, the good people at Perfect Pens sent me a sample to try out for a week. It was amazing. No matter what application I needed the pen for, it was always the perfect pen for the job. I could go directly from writing notes on the whiteboard to signing a bathroom pass without missing a beat. The ink works in all circumstances. How do they do it? I don't know. I just host the world's greatest education podcast. I don't study ink technology. Besides being great for writing on all the surfaces you want it to be used on, it won't make a mark on things that it shouldn't. I'm forever ruining pants by sticking my pen in a pocket, forgetting about it, then running it through the wash. When I inevitably did that with my perfect pen, my pants were fine and my pen still worked. Kids can't graffiti the desks or give themselves fake tattoos, but they can label their folders with ease. Finally, these perfect pens are loss-proof. I threw mine out the window in the middle of class just to see what would happen. As soon as one of my students needed me to correct their essay, the pen was back in my hand. Good as new. So get yourself a perfect pen. They're perfect. Welcome back. It's now time for our favorite segment of the show. Wait, what? So what I wanted to talk about today for our Wait What is a little bit controversial, a little bit of a stretch, I suppose, for things that we might talk about on a family-friendly podcast. Whoa. Yeah. Last year, at the end of the school year, we didn't get a chance to talk about this because our season was over, but I saw this news article that just surprised me, but also didn't surprise me, sort of weirded me out. The headline is, Catholic school principal arrested at a D.C. strip club while on a student field trip. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that you probably shouldn't do when you're on a field trip. This is probably one of the worst. Yeah, that's at the top of the list. It's it's not okay. I want to give you a couple highlights of what happened. Okay. So this is the opening paragraph from theroot.com. In an incident that shocked communities Friday, Michael Comiao, a school principal and recipient of the prestigious Milken Award for Educators, Thought it was a good idea to get belligerently drunk, hit up the strip club, then refuse to pay, all while on a school field trip. So what shocked me about this is that he received some kind of an award. I don't know what the prestigious Milken Award is, but this is not award-level behavior. (laughs) No. Does it make it worse that he is a principal of a Catholic school or more surprising? I think it's a little more surprising. Definitely not worse. I don't, I don't want to imply that uh, if, if you're just a principal of a public school, Heck, do whatever you want. Right. One of the things that we have to remember sometimes is you can do some amazing things. You can have some actions that are really impressive and it doesn't automatically apply that you like make other good decisions in other parts of your life. We kind of assume that. And, you know, it is the responsibility of us as public educators to, you know, have some some decent morals and ethics, obviously. But when we're so shocked by this stuff, a lot of times it's because obviously this person works with kids and they're a principal and they've won these awards. They clearly made a huge mistake here. And, and I don't know, maybe it shouldn't be so surprising. Like we all make mistakes and we all have bad days. But when you are on a school field trip, you should be on high alert of these are things I should not do. And as an administrator, you should definitely be thinking about these things. If a person were on their free time to get caught in this situation, probably it wouldn't be a big deal. It was the fact that they were that this guy was on duty and his job was to make sure that the kids were safe and that everything was okay and he chose to get drunk, go to the strip club and then like get all disorderly everywhere. And then not pay. Yeah, not pay. Apparently he was found standing in a roadway and refused to move even after being asked multiple times. 
by by the officers. So teachers and educators in general are not immune from making stupid mistakes. And I know that a lot of teachers lament how under the microscope they are, especially if you're in a small community, you can feel like everybody is seeing everything you do. I was talking with a friend the other day and she was like, I thought that living out of town and going to an out of town grocery store would be fine and I wouldn't see anybody. But lo and behold, there were all a bunch of my students and I was in my pajamas and looked bad and she was super embarrassed. And it was kind of like, yeah, you're going to run into people you know when you're an educator. And it's just, that's one of the cruddy things and you've got to step up every aspect of yourself. One other thing that I think, uh, just in response to this, and you know, we did the, we did the piece on the uh, superintendent who uh, pooped, I'm sorry, defecated on the uh, opposing <laughs> high school's track. Uh, and I think a lot of times the reaction is like, what were you thinking? And I think the shocking thing a lot of times is not just the action of what they did. Like this is obviously egregious and shocking, but somebody who clearly is intelligent, has had success leading people, has done some amazing things or else they wouldn't be in that position to not have the common sense or the wherewithal to say like, this is a bad idea. Even though I really want to poop on this track or even (laughs) though I really want to go to the strip club, I definitely know like I'm a pretty intelligent person. I know this isn't a a good idea. A lot of times it's people in leadership and power roles. And it just makes me wonder sometimes if there is just such a superiority complex or such an arrogance that is built up. It's almost like professional athletes and other people and politicians and other people that have been in power for so long that they just feel like they can do whatever they want. Or if it's just straight up stupidity. That's above my pay grade in judgment. <laughs> yeah. we don't, we've never had enough power to know what that's like. We will only know if this podcast blows up at some point when we, we get really famous. Then we can find out what it is that causes people to do such <laughs> stupid things. I nominate you to be the experimenter. Okay. I'll be the control. Okay. (laughs) Well, I think that that's about all we can say about that, but this definitely, when I saw it, made me say, wait, what? So do you have any questions? Do you want to share your best teacher hacks? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Astoria. You can also find me on Instagram at chatterboxes, and at my web store, chatterboxes.com. And don't forget about our website, schooldyapod.com. And don't forget, all our sponsors are fake. And as always, a big shout out to my wife, Nikki, for our wonderful theme song. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Or, if that seems too hard, tell a friend to listen. Or you could write our website on your forehead so everyone you meet reads it. No! No, don't do that. Just just tell a friend. Party pooper. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Sure. Um I the uh eh, eh, eh. um blah 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 blah. blah. What?